Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today, I have Shane Abbott. Shane is the owner of the prescription place down in Florida, and he has two pharmacies. He graduated from the University of Florida, and even though I'm a Buckeye, I refuse to say go Gators because of that. And he's also running for state representative in Florida District 5. So welcome to the podcast, Shane. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, the honor is mine because, you know, I really, I don't want to say idolize, but look up to pharmacists who make that leap to run for office because when it comes to pharmacy versus politics, even though they mix all day, every day, they're very different personality types. So I have to ask you, what made you want to run for political office, particularly in the state representative role, and step out of pharmacy? Well, the Lord just kind of lined everything up just right for me, Eric. It was a unique situation where my best friend is the actual current House of Representatives, District 5, where I'm running. And he's always encouraged me to get into politics and, and you know, said that you'd be great at it. And I never had a desire for it at all. I mean, zero percent desire. And it just happened that we had some local you know, county leaders start asking me out of the blue if I might be interested in that open seat. And, I, and originally I kept saying no, and then I thought it was odd that it just kept coming up. So my wife and family and I really prayed over it. And then we, we came to the decision after about three months that, you know, this is probably something we can do. It was, like I said, it was lined up just perfect. I have four kids. Three of them are going to be in college now, and we have a nine-year-old. My daughter just graduated high school, and this was the most important year of her life and for me, and the fact that this was the last year I really get to pour into her. So the timing worked out just right. If it had been last year that we needed to do this election, I'd have had to bow out just because I needed to spend that time with, with my daughter and make sure that I invested in her. So part of what's happened is for about 15 years, I've already been going to Tallahassee to lobby for independent pharmacy and try to help move the needle in our direction and you run into brick wall after brick wall and it gets frustrating and you can see that there's just a lack of knowledge a lot of times with legislators even though we educate most of the pharmacy issues are so in depth and deep that you really need to have somebody that's an expert on it to be in the in there as one of the colleagues that becomes the knowledge and of the profession and the go-to person for all things pharmacy so i like I said, I was going through it for 15 years. We would run into a brick wall after brick wall. I dealt with the Agency for Healthcare Administration, and that would get frustrating. And it just got to the point where everything was lined up. And there's other pieces to my platform other than just pharmacy issues. Um, education is a huge piece, and there's a bill I want to run that's going to give opportunities to a lot of kids to earn uh, workforce certifications and AA degrees that have transportation issues. You know, I'm going to get that type of education to that student at the school that depends on the yellow school bus to get there. So everything just lined up perfect. And the frustration of what's happening to pharmacy and pharmacists, and especially independent pharmacies, just got me to the point where I said, you know what, it's time. Now, one thing is I'm not going to step out of the pharmacy. That's the great thing about the Florida House um, of Representatives and when session is, you, you've got about two and a half real months of session and a few extra weeks of, of different things. But even during session, there's most of that is done Tuesday through Friday. So 
I've had many folks in, in the community ask me, well, you don't sell the pharmacy. And I said, no, I said, pharmacy and, and working here and working in my community is what makes me who I am. So I'm going to continue to run, run and work that pharmacy when we're not in session. I'll be in that pharmacy full time and during session, you know, I'll be in there on Mondays and some Saturdays and that type of thing, continuing to run the pharmacy because that's what keeps me grounded in my community and, and keeps me focused on what I want to go to Tallahassee to actually achieve. You know, you hit on a few things there, and I think the biggest one actually is the fact that you can still work in the pharmacy because, you know, we go to college for a long time, and, you know, you spend all this time, then you spend all this time in the pharmacy, you get to know your patients, and it really becomes like the lifeblood of who you are, whether you realize it or not, and it also makes you empathetic because you see those people who either can't afford it, you see the people who abuse it, you see all those different aspects of it, and it kind of, you can think of your solutions in real time as you see them. And so, understand, you know, kind of going at education and pharmacy, but also staying grounded, I think is a huge asset to somebody when they're in a position like yours to take office in a, as a state representative. So I think that's awesome that you're going to keep doing that and stay grounded. But how is campaigning different and going to ask people for their vote as opposed to all the calls coming to you and people looking to you for advice? Is that like a night and day switch? So that is the most awkward situation <laughs> I've ever been in. I mean, it is the most difficult piece I have ever done. So I'll give you this example, and, and you'll love this. But last um, 4th of July, we did a parade here in my home community. And then, of course, my district's fairly big. We went over to another event that a lot of the churches were hosting over in Holmes County, the county next to me. There was about 2,000 people there. And we were there for about two hours, me and my family. And we got in the car and I told my wife, I said, I am not a politician. <laughs> I'm absolutely not a politician. The hardest thing in the world is for somebody who is a helper and a fixer who never asks anybody to help them. You know, they're always the, the person that's going to help someone else or is the reliable individual that you can call when you need something and you know you go from that role to asking somebody for your for their vote and you're asking now you just walked up to a stranger and you're asking them for a favor or to do you a favor and it just is it goes against everything that i've ever been and so it's extremely difficult now uh, i've had some other folks tell me that that'll get easier as time goes i sure hope so because that was a really, really hard piece. And, and I've had folks that have told me there's going to be two things that are hard. One is asking for votes, and then one is asking for money. And it, it has been a difficult piece. You, you don't want – I know how hard folks work for their money. I know how hard I work for my money. And, and it's very difficult to ask somebody to give up part of those resources to help you get to Tallahassee. I, I tell a lot of folks this story that's in – when the kids did fundraisers, I used to just wrote a check and said, here, we're not going out selling door to door. So it's, you know, we, uh, we had a fundraiser not long ago for fellowship of Christian athletes, which I'm on the board of, and we were selling poinsettias and the poinsettias were in my area, fairly expensive. And I thought, man, how am I going to try to sell somebody a poinsettia when they can go to the local store and get it for half that price? So I ended up buying several poinsettias and just giving them away to the doctor's offices because I wasn't going to ask folks to give up that kind of money for a poinsettia. But yeah, that has been a very awkward transition and I'm still making that transition just to be honest with you. It, is, uh, it has been a difficult thing and, and I hope they're right that as I continue to do this, it gets easier and easier to 
ask somebody that I've just met to do me a favor and, and support me and vote for me next August in 2022 because I'll be the right candidate. So, you know, we didn't get there. It's so funny because like as a pharmacist, like people come up to us all the time and ask questions and they ask us anything. Like, you know, this, like they ask you anything. And there's so many times we do small favors for them, either loaning them pills or helping them out or like, you know, pharmacists are, it's not really supposed to happen, but sometimes you kind of, you know, wave the copay or you throw a couple bucks in the register yourself to help them out to cover it. And then you're doing the exact opposite. So I, I would like to think that hopefully all those favors are just kind of coming back to you when you help somebody out. Obviously, you've had a successful business opening two pharmacies, moving from one. But, you know, being more introverted as a lot of us pharmacists are, that's super hard to get out there. And, man, what was the biggest, like, awesome moment you had when you were talking to somebody as you know, as a candidate, not as a pharmacist? Like, what was, like, the best moment you had from engaging with them? Well, and some of them have been with customers of mine. Yeah. You know, some of the folks that I've been practicing with have been patients for, you know, 20-plus years. And, you know, them just coming up to you and saying, I am so excited about the fact that you're running. And I'm surprised that you're running, but it's time we needed somebody that cares about others. And that's one of the great things about our profession is, we have a heart and, and empathy for folks and we want to help them. And that's, that's our mentality and that's our heart. And when you can translate that over to politics, man, what a breath of fresh air, huh? And, you know, and now you've got somebody who's got a big heart and, and their focus is going to be others. And how do we make other people's lives better? Got to be on the right track. And so it's really some of those encouraging moments have come from, you know, patients of mine. They're just, shocked that I'm going that I'm doing it and then you know reiterating just how fantastic they think it is that somebody that of a different caliber is running for a position like this yeah and you know one of the things I think that's interesting when pharmacists like you run and I, I can already just tell this from like how we kind of talked leading up to this but we really humanize politics, right? Like, you know, someone might disagree with us, but when they're there at our pharmacy, like that politics is out the window. Like I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to do what's right for you and help you make the best decisions for, for you and your healthcare. And, you know, whether it's COVID with the millions of questions that come in or trying to talk to people about getting their vaccines or, you know, I've even had people come in and we've had honest discussions about race and, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy and I have it with people who are of every different ethnicity when they come in and they're just sharing their experience. And it really makes me humanize that side of it where I can look at them and say, that's not, you know, people are describing this and that's not who you are. Like that's, that's a blanket statement that does not apply to everybody. We need to start realizing that. Have you experienced a lot of that in your time as a pharmacy that is now kind of spilling over into your politician side? Yeah, it is. You know, we are a unique breed of profession. Um, somewhere in becoming a pharmacist, there's a mentality and a heart that's unique. I mean, it's different from a lot of your other individuals and professions, and I think it's a fantastic um, piece of who we are. You don't really see folks for a color. You don't really see folks for a socioeconomic status. You really see people as people. And as in owning a business, our motto has kind of always been, listen, whoever's on the other side of that counter, you treat them like that's your grandma, your grandpa, your mommy, your dad, your brother, your sister, or one of your kids. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where they come from, what they look like. We're all human beings, and, and in the pharmacy, that's how we treat everyone. Everyone is special, and that, you know, everyone's life matters to us healthcare-wise, and, and you get to carry that over, which is, I think, going to be a great attribute to take to Tallahassee. 
Yeah, and you know another thing too is when you start looking at just like the politics that are the state. One of the biggest expenditures for every single state is always like the drug spend and Medicaid. And having someone like you who's in there who's seen the numbers side of it, right? And you can say, hey, here's a problem. That brings a totally different and angle and filter than somebody who's, I hate to say this, but like your typical lawyer who thinks they understand healthcare. And then you're like, oh, but you really don't because you haven't been in the trenches. Exactly. And when you're in an independent pharmacy setting, you even know it better because you're looking yep. at every penny that's either coming in and going out. So you know how it works and you know the ins and outs. And being, like I said, being in Tallahassee, advocating for that thing, I've always studied it, studied it even harder to know the little nuances of how things work financially so that I know what I'm talking about when I go to Tallahassee. You know, you just hit it on the head. Healthcare is a, a huge part of every state's spend. So in the state of Florida, 44% of our budget is made up of health care of some form. Yeah. Um, and made, you know, but 44% of our budget is spent on health care. And I talked earlier about how things were just lining up. It's really, really neat when you stop and look at the House of Representatives for the state of Florida, which I'm running for. There's not there's potentially that I could be the only health care provider in that entire house. We have a dermatologist in there right now, but. It looks like he may be running for a Senate seat, and it may be that I'm the only true health care provider, especially on an independent setting, in the entire house. Because that would um, put me in a great position because that means that I'm now, in essence, the, the go-to person for health care. Yeah. And, you know, I've had other state representatives on mainly from my state of Ohio, but I've also had like, you know, uh, Gail Manning was on. She's a Republican up here in northern Ohio. And she said one of the things she loved was having a pharmacist who was a state representative or a state senator when she served with him, because if she had an issue, she could just go right to him. And it was like, hey, can you explain this to me? Because you know that you're getting it from somebody who's a peer. You're not getting it from somebody who's biased. And that's a, a level of expertise you can bring to that, which is really just cool and basically unparalleled from what it sounds like. Yeah, you're exactly right. So right now what's happening is they get their information from a lobbyist. So a lobbyist is hired by an entity to represent them, and, and a lot of times they're not even involved in the profession whatsoever. So you have a lobbyist that's never been in a pharmacy other than to pick up their own prescription, and that's about <laughs> as much knowledge as they have about it. And they're the ones you know, spreading the wealth of how great PBMs are to other legislators. And they don't have a colleague to sit there and tell them, and that guy's full of crap. They're telling you a whole bunch of mess that's not even halfway accurate or correct. Let me tell you how it really works because this is what I do every day. Yeah. It, you know, right now you got legislation that relies on either staff, healthcare staff, or even worse, they rely on a lobbyist that's hired by a PBM. Yeah. So if you had to give advice to a pharmacist who was, going to try and make this run right like the thing that since now you're running obviously you're in the middle of this race but if you had to give advice to like make what would push them over to make that first step like to actually run for office what would it be well i'm a man of faith if you probably already figured out and the first thing is is you've got to pray about it and let the lord let you know that that's where you need to be that is by far the way the most important piece to me second if you're married and you got a family you've got to make sure they're on board before you ever pull the trigger. If my wife or my children would have ever said during that three-month process of praying over this that they don't want to do this or they don't want to be part of it, I would have never entered it because I'm not going to do it without the support of my family. You know, my faith and then my family are the two most important pieces of who I am. 
and I'm not going to do that without either one of those. So that, those are the two biggest pieces for me if I'm going to give you advice. And then once you've got the clearance from those those two areas, start talking to some other legislators. Start talking to folks in your local area, even if it's in your county, your county commissioners and, and folks like that, to see what kind of support you might have. Um, it's been very important to me because our county's sheriff and some of the other elected officials have really helped me and, and came to me early on. Even one of them was one of the folks that met with me before I even thought about running and said, hey, I think you would do a great job and I will support you and help you get across the line. And so that becomes really important because if you have the support of your local elected officials, it makes things a lot easier and you can judge how well folks are going to receive you yeah i think that's great advice that i i know i wouldn't have thought of i just would have thought hey go fill up paperwork and run but that's a that's definitely great advice and i think the family part is key for anybody who's married as somebody who now has a kid totally understands and sees the burden that places on a family and your kids are a little older which probably frees up a lot more of your time since they can obviously help take care of themselves but i think that that's a a good way to frame that for people so uh, what do you think is like the biggest issue that you could help pass in Florida that is pharmacy related? Well, it's the big obvious one. It's PBM regulation. Um, now, a lot of folks don't like to use that word, but here, let's face the facts. We've got an industry right now where every entity in the healthcare providing service has got regulations all over us. Pharmacy, of course, is probably the most regulated. And then you got an entity right in the middle of it um, called a PBM that has zero regulations. And they know that and they've taken advantage of that. So, you know, PBM regulation, I think maybe even one of the better ways to phrase that is the healthcare payment model. Um, that's probably the, the wording I'll use. We need to fix the healthcare payment model. In essence, what we have right now is a crisis in which the actual healthcare provider is getting paid a lot of times below their costs or below what it costs them to do business. Whereas an entity is making a lot of, is siphoning off healthcare dollars, yet really not providing any health care. When you stop and think of it, you've got a middle person or a middle entity that is really making the most of the money right now and not providing any health care to that patient. Um, now they'll claim they do all kinds of stuff like, well, we handle formulary this and, you know, this and that. But when it comes down to it, they're really not providing any health care to the patient. And the end health care provider that is providing health care isn't getting reimbursed. And that's a dangerous model to have. Yeah, and that that doesn't just apply to pharmacy either. That also applies to primary care and a lot of these other situations where yeah. we're in serious lack of need or a serious need of those type of professionals as well. So I think that's a, a noble and a right one to actually go after. So thanks for that response. Yeah, no problem. And you and you just hit it right on the head. It's not just a pharmacy issue. You know, pharmacy's been in the light or in the light quite a bit here um, over the last couple of years, especially in your state of Ohio and and it's been a battleground here in Florida, which we haven't been able to move much lately. But you're exactly right. It's not just a pharmacy issue right now. It's a end provider issue where if the provider doesn't start getting paid for the health care that they're providing, you, we've got a dangerous slope there at some point. Um, you might start losing providers. We can't afford we can afford to lose middlemen. 
we can't afford to lose providers because yep. the only person that suffers then is the patient. Yep. Yeah. I could not agree any more with that. And man, it's, it's so true too, because you start seeing like the perverse incentives, right? So you start seeing people go to the ER for like simple diabetes things, or they're out of test strips or whatever the heck it is, instead of going to their primary care doctor, or he just doesn't have time or she doesn't have time because they're so overburdened that they're still pulling long days and still can't fix these basic like life issues for their patients that they really need to be taken care of. So I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. And yeah, Ohio has been in the crosshairs in large part due to some people we have here who are just bulls when it comes to putting the limelight on this. But yeah, Florida's Florida, there's studies from three access advisors coming out of Florida highlighting, you know, millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars are just being wasted on programs that the PBMs are just taking right to wall street and cashing those fat checks with. So I think that's a, that's a good starting point if nothing else. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. You know, there's a second thing. I know you asked for the biggest issue, but there's another one that I'd almost do as 1B, and that's provider status. We've got to make that happen in the state of Florida. Pharmacists have got to start being recognized as providers. And we've not set a better example than what we've done over the last year and a half as frontline COVID responders. And, and look at the vaccination part of it. Yep. What percentage of vaccinations have been put in arms across the nation that were done by pharmacists? And if that alone doesn't designate <laughs> us as providers, I'm not sure whatever will. I mean, we basically have come to the rescue of the nation in the fact that you know we're trying to pre- prevent COVID from spreading and and doing that through vaccinations. And you know, 90% of all vaccinations have been put in arms by pharmacists. I mean, we've been the frontline providers, and it's time to get our provider status. Yeah, and in a state like Florida where you have, and I don't know about your district, but generally speaking, an older population, you had a population that vitally, vitally needed that, and they looked at us with that provider lens and said, I need you to do it. And I didn't realize it was 90%. I guess bad on me for not knowing that, but if pharmacists give a 90% of it, that that screams provider to me if you're giving 90% of a, of a healthcare service to somebody. And obviously there's professional discussions that have to go on with that to make sure it's appropriate, covid shots have been a little bit less burdensome than some of the other ones but you know i think that just screams providers to us I'm, I'm glad to hear you support that in florida because a lot of your older patients could definitely use that you know entry-level provider to help just take care of some of their basic basic needs exactly all right so i don't want anyone off the podcast without asking them two questions i ask everybody so if you could change one law in pharmacy i think you might have already said it but what would it be and why well you know i I'd gotten that question earlier, and here's what's so amazing. So I'm sitting in the pharmacy, and I'm asking the other pharmacists and some of the, even the technicians, and I asked the question, I said, what would you change in pharmacy? It's not a law, but what part of pharmacy would you change? You know what was so alarming? is like the first 20 things we named were actually things that were because of a law. <laughs> and, I, you know, we had to keep throwing them out. I mean, it really. I mean, we have stuff like, one of the very first ones is in our state, you have to have a certain blank prescriptions written on. It has to be an, by an approved vendor. And one of them said, well, I'm tired of having to look at every single blank to see if the doctor has ordered the right um, blanks from a, an approved vendor or not. I said, well, you know, that's one thing we'd like to change about pharmacy. But guess what? That's regulated by law. <laughs> you know, we just kept going down and down. And it's like, you know, if everything is regulated by law that we love to change in the profession maybe we're overregulated. yeah um you know maybe there's too many laws and guidance things and a lot of those things that we talked about of course they were dictated by law and they 
they had nothing to do with providing better health care. But if I had to change one thing about pharmacy right now and it not be a law piece, patient freedom, I think that's what I would change. What do you, patient freedom. What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is this. In my pharmacy, I'm constantly losing lifelong patients to an insurance company that says they have to use mail order. Or the insurance company is sending them letter after letter after letter saying, okay, if you'll leave the prescription place because we're not going to um, pay as much of your medication bill, if you'll, lo- if you'll leave them and go to a CVS or if you'll go to a Walgreens, we're going to give that to you for free. Um, it's that patient freedom. I have a lot of patients who get all their medications from me, but then there's a specific specialty injection that they may need for rheumatoid arthritis, and they won't allow me to be their provider, and they have to get through a specialty pharmacy, usually owned by the insurance company. Right. Well, you're taking a you're taking a patient's freedom to choose their pharmacist and their pharmacy and their healthcare provider away from them. Um, so that's the one thing I think I would change is is patient freedoms. Is allow that patient to to choose me as their healthcare provider, to choose me as their pharmacy and their pharmacist, without dictating where they go and and encouraging by financial means or whatever other means to go to a, a different provider. Yeah, and that's another one that also spills right over into the medicine side when all of a sudden the plan changes and a doctor gets cut out, whether they accepted the contract or they didn't know they didn't, weren't even offered the contract and they just get cut right out and stuff like that. And never mind that if somebody gets taken to an emergency room, you usually don't have a, ch- a choice of which one you go to if you're going in an ambulance and all of a sudden, oh, they're not in network. And you're like, well, what the hell? It's an emergency. <laughs> like, shouldn't, I, shouldn't everything yeah. be in network? Yeah, let's turn the ambulance around and drive another 80 miles for this cardiac patient. Hopefully they'll hold on long enough. <laughs> yeah, just keep pumping them full of uh, nitro. Maybe they'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you could change one law in pharmacy, federal or state, and obviously you're running for state, but, hey, federal's in play here, what would it be and why? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this with two, 1A and 1B, and the first one is this. I know I keep breaking all your rules. Uh, you're a politician. You're allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, watch that P word now. Um, <laughs> this the first one would be this. I would undo the Federal Fair Trade Commission ruling that allowed the vertical integration that's over, that's overtaking our profession right now and is going to be a dangerous outlook for healthcare. That would be the one thing I would change. That would be the biggest piece. If I could go back in time and change that federal ruling by the um, Federal Fair Trade Commission and block that insurance is on the PBM and the PBM owns the pharmacy and the vertical integration that has come from that, that would be what I would stop. I believe that's what's really making healthcare a mess right now, especially in the world of pharmacy. When the insurance company owns the end provider and they're the middleman also, you've just got it set up for a disaster. It's not going to be orientated towards patient care. Yeah. And I think that would be the first thing I would undo because I think that prevents a lot of the problems that we're having in healthcare and in pharmacy right now. That'd be the biggest one. The second one I would probably change is DIR fees. There's nothing more aggravating than working your tail off to make sure that all your patients are compliant, that you have as many of them as possible on statins. And then it really is out of your control. Uh, I'll use this perfect example. I had a patient 
last year who ended up in a nursing home for three months. Okay. The other nine months they were out and I was filling all their prescriptions and they were compliant, but then they were in the nursing home for three months. They were still getting their medications while in the nursing home. But with the way the DIR fees and outcomes and that type of thing are structured, that patient was considered non-compliant. They didn't miss a single day's worth of medication, but they were in a nursing home for three months, and now they're scored against my pharmacy as a non-compliant patient. Yeah. Are you saying, well, that's just the exception? Well, that one patient on a Humana plan cost me eight thousand dollars. So it's stuff like that where it irritates me on a daily basis where I have an outcome that says I need to have this patient on a statin, except a statin almost killed him three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not going to put a patient on a statin to check a box off on your DIR when that's going to kill the patient. That's not healthcare. Yeah. And then again, that one patient who we're not going to put on a statin and I've even filled out an outcomes that says this, you know, this is dangerous to this patient, but you still score that patient against me. And then that one patient again costs $6,000 because I fell just below the, the number you wanted to be at. I was, I wasn't at the, the complete low line and I wasn't at the top. I'm in the middle, but I, being that one patient off cost me $6,000 from being in the next tier. So that kind of stuff, you can't, there's nobody on planet earth that can explain that type of thing and make it make sense why those patients should be scored against you. So I think DIR and um, outcomes and all those, I I think that became, I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to improve outcomes, but it has become a tool for PBMs to steal money from from pharmacy providers. Yeah. And add to that too, like that 6,000 bucks is a lot of money. Like that could have prevented you from giving raises to your technicians or, you know, things like that. And that, that's literally food off their table. Cause they're not, you know, paid exorbitantly like, you know, other professions like are and stuff like that. So I think that's a, right. It's a great call out. Yeah. I mean, and here's a good point. So not only that, that $8,000 prevents me from hiring a part-time um, clerk who is needing that money to go to school yep and they're going to they're going to college and we're giving them a part-time job to help them with their finances while they finish up school and now i can't do that because you can't make that make sense yeah yeah no that's those dar fees they they will sneak up on you quick fast in a hurry so i think that's another good one to to address there but hey uh shane abbott thanks again for coming on the podcast where can people find you and your campaign if they want to uh donate help out support you share it whatever i appreciate that eric vote shaneabbott.com and it's vote s-h-a-n-e-a-b-b-o-t-t.com and i greatly appreciate you having me on tonight this has been fantastic i could talk about pharmacy issues for days and days and, and i'm going to get to when i become successful at tallahassee um i i do need everybody's help and support to make sure i get there though we're we're working hard i work in the pharmacy all day and if i get off at three i start politicking after three and then if i have a day off i'm traveling the district meeting folks and sharing my message so it's um, it's a lot of work but it's going to be rewarding in the end Um, and i need as much support and help as i can get 
Awesome. So, hey, listeners, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes like I do for almost every episode when we talk about something. But I'll put all those links in there so that if you want to find it, you can just click it and he'll have it right there for you. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Shane. Thank you for having me, Eric. I greatly appreciate it. And listeners, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.